If you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans, that's where we're going to be this morning, Romans chapter 8, and we've been going through Romans for a while now, and we've kind of had a, a transition in our, in our way of thinking. Instead of thinking of just an umbrella term um, uh, of all of the different things that, that God did in order to make salvation possible for us, we were thinking now about how God, after the salvation thing happens and begins to move us into new directions, what is God doing in our lives? We talked last week about how being saved or being a part of God's family means we are, we are in a union, both practical and mystical, with Jesus Christ. And this week, the gift that we're going to talk about is adoption, but adoption is just a really long word, so we just went with adopted, right? You'll forgive me. But uh, that is the theme that we're going to think about uh, this morning, the gift that God has given to us. And as I think about uh, adoption and being adopted into the family uh, of Jesus and to the family of God, I think of what Jesus said in John chapter 14. And you might remember this passage. Jesus says, you know, don't fear. I go to prepare a place for you um, that where I am, there you may also be. And I just missed this up a little bit, mixed it up a little bit. But he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. And, and that's, a, that's a really interesting. If, if any of you are having, anybody having family come in over the Christmas, your housing family? Not very many of you, okay. Well, I guess it will be very empty Christmas Day. So everybody else is traveling, I guess. But when we have family come in, you know, somebody has to give up their room. Uh, it's either Emery or our room or uh, we don't have a name for the baby yet, so we're calling her Nugget. So Nugget's room. That's kind of weird now that I think about it because Nuggets can be food. But... We were thinking maybe gold or a precious nugget, right? Okay, anyway. Anyway, these rooms do not belong to the guests. The guest just comes in and they get to stay there for the night or the weekend or however long they're in. But it is Emery's room. It is Laura's room. It is Laura's room. And it is Nugget's room. I sometimes get space in the basement. So the, 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 the point, though, is that Jesus is saying, there's a house that my father has, and I am going there as his son to say, we need a room for you. We need a room for Kristen. We need a room for Jim. We need a room uh, for Matt. We need a room for Chuck. We need a room for Carrie. There is a room, and that means that you belong, that you're a part of the family. And so even as Jesus doesn't use the word sons and daughters of God, he is already pushing for this idea that you are being adopted into the family of God and that you, you, by the grace, unmerited graciousness of God our Savior, you belong in God's family, in God's house. And that's incredible. The passage we're looking at today, especially Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 17, and then we're going to kind of take a little sidelong glance at Galatians. And so I want you to kind of have both of those places in your Bibles. But Romans chapter 8 can be broken up into, into three distinct, we might put them points. Verses 11 through 14, the first half of 14, talk about walking in the Spirit. The verses 14, the second half of verse 14 to 16, talk about our adoption into God's family. And the last verse, verse 17, focuses specifically upon us being, hey, good to see you. I missed you last week. Uh, talk about us being heirs of Jesus Christ. And so uh, you could almost read it like an argument. So we receive the spirit of God, which proves that we have been adopted by God. And if you belong to the family, then what do you receive? 
you have a place in, in receiving uh, 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 the air, the, the, the airing. That's not the right word. What am I trying to say? Inheritance. Thank you. You are with me this morning. That warms the cockles of my heart. Thank you. So let's look at this verse, beginning with verses 11 through 14. Uh, Paul says this to the church. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So then, my brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Now, let's hover over this for just a moment. Again, remembering that when he says putting to deed the deaths of the body... He isn't trying to create dualism, but, but is rather saying something else altogether. But we know some of this just, I think, in our own experiences. How many of you have ever, uh, in your life, had a situation where you said, I just did what my dad did? Or that, when it, you, you say something and you're like, that was my mom. Like, that was, I don't even know where that came from. It just kind of came out of me, and that was my mom. Or how many times have you looked at your kids, maybe if you've got kids, or maybe, or if you have nephews and nieces and you've seen them, and you say, wow, that is exactly, that's your mother right there, right? Or that's your father, usually it's, that's your father right there. That's generally what we hear. And so we know sort of already that there's something that we inherit from families, but there's more than that. Um, as many of you know, I, I'm adopted. My, my biological mom is, I was raised by, but my, my dad, uh, the guy who's, who's come here many times, most of you have met him, uh, he, he adopted me. And so uh, I didn't meet my biological father until I was 21, just like a month or two before we got married. Um, and so I didn't know what it, it, it meant at all to be a horn. I, I don't know what that meant. But when I first met him, uh, this right here, that's horn right there. Looks just just like my dad, uh, my biological dad. Uh, but everything else about me had been raised as a Kellicut. And so uh, all, of the, all of this might have been horn, but all of the stubbornness of the Kellicuts and all of the zeal and passion of the Kellicuts, that, that was, was, was just what I was raised up in. And so there are these characteristics that are a part of me that aren't coming to me biologically, but because somebody said, because my dad said when I was uh, five, you're my son, I choose you. And so he imparted to me many, many gifts <laughs> and many other not so great gifts, but that's just a part of what it is. And in the same way, I think what Paul is trying to say, if you have been brought into a new family, you are going to begin to take on the characteristics of that family. Y'all with me? Does that make sense? Practically makes sense? And he is adding a mystical dimension. He's saying that this isn't just something that happens to you by the things that you do, but that there is something very real. There is God in you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon you, and he is dwelling with you so that you are are, are a new creation adopted into the family of God and living in completely different ways from where you used to be. And so this should outline, I think, two, important, or two or three important questions for us. The first question is that we are then to put to death uh, the deeds of the body. This is how we know that we are, we are walking in this new spirit. And then secondly, that we will then live by the spirit, which brings up the question, well, how do I know what the deeds of the body 
are? How do I have any clue about what they look like? And thankfully, the Bible is replete with answers. Specifically, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse, beginning with verse 19, Paul says this. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Again, that idea of the spirit of adoption is upon us, and so he is leading us in new kinds of lives. Verse 19, so the, fle- the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like this. I warn you... As I warned you before, that those who practice these things will not inherit eternal life. What I find so interesting about this section is what he says here in verse 19. He says, the deeds of the flesh are obvious. And I think that we live in a day where the deeds of the flesh have never been less obvious to the people around us. Maybe even less obvious to the church in general because we look a whole lot like the world most of the time. And what I think is happening is that our life in the world is shaping us according to the spirit of the world, rather than our life together as the body of Christ moving us toward more and more Christ-likeness. How many of you call yourselves Christians in this room this morning? If you don't call yourself Christian, it's okay. Don't, I'm not trying to... But if you call yourself a Christian, that word literally means little Christ. They were mocking us. When the name first year, they're, they're mocking you. Oh, you're a little Christ. Like, yeah. He, he was real successful, wasn't he? Right? Died on a cross. Real great. Yeah, little Christ, all of you. If we want to claim that name, then we have to take up that cross. Are we doing that? And so Paul lays out all of these things. He says, these things are really obvious. It, it, it isn't that all of these things, uh, it, and again, again, this isn't like the body is bad and the spirit needs to fly away to glory or something like that, but that, that as I said a few weeks ago, uh, uh, sex and food and, 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 uh, and rest and work and hobbies, all of these things are good things, gifts given to, to us by God, but what we tend to do is we tend to pervert them or use them too much, becoming our obsessions and our gods. And he says every time we take and we follow those passions, we follow that fleshly impulse, what are we doing? We're not walking according to the spirit that you have been adopted into. You are not walking like Christ. You're walking like somebody who has a different spirit altogether. You follow the prince of the power of the air, as we read in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And so what do we have? We have a church that has forgotten that sexual immorality and those who practice it will not inherit the kingdom of God. We have a church that has forgotten that those who envy, keep it and practice it, will not inherit the kingdom of God. We have a church that has forgotten that those who cause dissension and factions do not inherit the kingdom of God. We have a church that has forgotten that those who, 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 who have fits of rage, it isn't just losing your temper, it is fits of rage. And what about those folks, those who live like that, will not inherit the kingdom of God? We have watered down our calling to our detriment not just because God's going to look on us with displeasure, but because we are no longer anything like the Jesus we love. 
We sang this song here, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. That's a, that's a bold thing to say. I hope you didn't take it lightly this morning. And so what we need to do is we need to recognize the gift of grace that we have been given. We have been brought into a family of God. We've been lifted out of the muck and mire and darkness and brokenness and people just who are, who has lives have been shattered according to sin. And we have been brought out of that, given the spirit of the living God, the spirit of holiness, of union with God himself. And he says, I have called you now, my sons and daughters, so live like it. Live like it. It's an incredible gift. And I, I, it breaks my heart when I see so many people uh, not accepting the gift. It breaks my heart when I look at myself and I realize that I've forgotten the gift that has been given to me. So how do we, how do we kill these deeds? How do, we, how do we actually do this? And I want to be very practical here for, for a moment. And, and I want to say that at first it does come to mindset. Who are you this morning? Who are you? When you face those temptations, because anybody here, uh, when we read this list, and I won't go through them because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to raise my hand too much in front of you. But when I read verses 19 through 20, does that sound familiar to anybody? Like, these are things that have happened in your heart before, and they probably will be temptations that face you again even this week. And we're going to ask ourselves, well, what do we do about this? Part of this, a very large part of this, is setting our minds on Christ and remembering the truth that you are a son or daughter of God. Sexual immorality? No thanks. I'm a son or daughter of God. Envy? No thanks. I'm a son or daughter of God. Uh, 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 fits of rage? No thanks. I'm a son or, God of, uh, uh, son or daughter of God. These no longer have anything to do with me because my mind has been set according to something completely completely different and we're told to walk in it to practice it to be an apprentice of jesus not just somebody who likes jesus not just somebody who has read the words of jesus not just somebody who has sung a song to jesus but somebody who does what jesus did i like very much what scott had to say who will we heal in in jesus name this week who will we make peace with in jesus name this week who will we forgive this week in jesus name it's a tough question. And so he brings together in Galatians, again, Galatians chapter uh, 22, verse 24. If we ask the question, how do we live by the Spirit? He gets very practical and answers that question. How are we going to live by the Spirit? He says, this is what it looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and, and you might have patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. We've put them on the tree. They've died. They're no longer a part of me. So if we live by the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Uh, this is sort of where I plug uh, Bible reading. This is where I plug, again, listening to the scriptures. If you're not a reader, and that's okay, uh, there's a, a thousand. I, we will find a Bible for you to listen to, right? No one can leave this church today and say, well, I, I just, I didn't know what to do. Jordan said, get some Bible in me, and I didn't know what to do. Come and see me. We'll get you something, right? Um, 
why we need to inculcate these things into our lives, these teachings in our minds, because they need to be the things that we draw out when we're faced with temptation. You need to be able to draw out Galatians. And when you're facing somebody this week who is fitting in rage against you, because this is going to happen, what is your immediate response? Your mindset is different. Your heart is different. Your spirit is different. You are different. And so your answer to that fit of rage is peace. It's peace. When you're faced with a temptation of sexual immorality, you're facing that down. Your impulse is to give in. That might be the fleshly pull, but you are different. You have the spirit of the living God in you. You are changed. And so now, what is your assumption? When I'm faced with something that I really want, what do I have in me? I have kindness, and I have goodness, and I have faithfulness, and I have self-control. And you begin to tell yourself this truth. And tell one another this truth so that when we encounter these temptations, our minds are already fixed on who we are in Jesus Christ and not fixed upon the temptation itself or the desire of my heart because your heart is a liar. Your emotions are liars. May God be true in every man a liar. If you want to set yourself on a rock, Jesus says, read my words. Because the storm will come. And if you are not rooted upon the rock, the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the storm's going to come, the temptation's going to come, the, 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 the frailty of our human life is going to come, and the storm is going to wash you away. But if you are hidden in the cleft of the rock, you are safe. And you are secure. And so we have something more than the world ever has we have something more than our friends and neighbors ever have, and it isn't based on appearances. Listen, some of the most ungodly people I have ever met are people who have been going to church for 30 years. Don't try hiding behind these things. If the Spirit convicts you as we read these words, man, embrace that. That means that God loves you. It means that God wants to work on you. It means God wants to save you. It means that God wants to bring you into a new and living relationship with him, taking you one step closer so that it's this that they might see. People look at you and they say, man, that, that, that you, you look like a person. You talk like a person. You look like an American. You talk like an American. But there is something different about you. You look like a horn, but you act like a calicut. That's what they should see in us. That's the power of this, the truth of it. Church, we need to embrace it. And what we need to do as we embrace it is to recognize that all of it comes by our works. I need like a bell up here so I can go ding, thanks for playing, right? No! What does it come by? That was pathetic. Thank you. Grace. It is by grace you have been adopted. Five-year-old little Jordan didn't, didn't, didn't do anything. Five-year-old little Jordan didn't do anything. Guaranteed. Right? You have been adopted by grace. And so what should you do in the face of such grace? Aside from walking with the Spirit, what should you do? Take a guess. 
Be joyful. Be joyful. It says here, these are such beautiful words. If we have said we're going to put away the things of the body and we're going to begin to walk in the spirit, and that is you sitting here right now. If I'm preaching this and you say, yes, that's me. I definitely want to walk according to the spirit and I'm going to take to heart these things. What has he said? He says, for all who are led by the spirit are then the sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Now what does he mean there? Fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with sin. If you are walking not according to, the, uh, according to the spirit but according to the flesh, then all you have to hope for is punishment. All you have to hope for is a terrible life, walking in sin. And he says you've been lifted up out of that and you've been given the kind of spirit that can push you forward, not falling back. I love the idea of the, the spirit and I've... I've and, You've probably heard it so many times from me that you're tired of it, but I don't care because I'm going to say it again. I love John 3, where Jesus says that those people who are born of the Spirit, right, are going to be uh, uh, people of the Spirit, of the wind. Spirit and wind are the same word. That the Spirit is driving through the Gospels. The Spirit, um, the way that the words are used when the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. You remember that story? Jesus, after he's baptized, he goes in the wilderness. And Jesus is driven by the Spirit. It's the Spirit is running. And Jesus is running to catch up to him. The Spirit is running into a broken world. He's calling you to run with him. He's pulling you along. So don't fall back. Run forward. Progress. Uh, For you are not called to fall back into the spirit of fear, uh, but you are to receive the spirit of adoption as the sons and daughters of God by whom we cry, Abba Pater. The spirit himself bears witness that we are the children, with our spirit, that we are the children uh, of God. This uh, is a moment of then gladness and hope and joy and security. I see these things and two things that pop into my head immediately are joy and uh, security. Uh, because this, when I see sons and daughters of God, I think not necessarily of adult sons and daughters of God, but I think of kids running around. Remember the story of the, 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 the parents bring, the, bring to Jesus the children Remember that story? And the disciples are like, dude, Jesus is busy. He's important. He's got things to do. He doesn't care about your little snotty-nosed brats. Those of you who are parents in here, what would you do to get your children to Jesus? Because I'd take a disciple out, man. I'd bowl that guy over. Jesus is going to bless my daughter, right? This is going to happen. And Jesus says what? What do what you guys, you've missed the boat big time. Because when I look at children, I see this is what God wants. And what are, kill, what are children doing? They're running around. Have, yesterday, Emery laughed for 15 minutes about poop. Like, <laughs> we didn't even, we, we did, I normally encourage these things. I didn't encourage it. There's nothing there. And she's just dying. She's just laying on the floor making noise and rolling around and being crazy. Like, she, there's just exuberance. There's just joy. There's nonsense. Like, everything can be funny. Everything can be beautiful. Everything could be amazing. And what are we? A bunch of jaded, angry old churchgoers. Why? Why are our hearts not light with joy? You've been saved by the grace of God, given the spirit of the living God to be unified with God, adopted into his family. Why are we not full of joy? And why aren't we full of confidence? 
insecurity. Why are we so afraid? Uh, when there's a spider on the wall, about it. Is that you, Peggy? Yeah, you. There's a spider on the wall. I'm going to get a big spider for Halloween. You watch out. I got your number. Uh, when there's a spider on the wall, of course, this is pretty true of Laura as well, although I can't, she, she can't jump at me. She'll take me out. Big belly. <laughs> Emery jumps on me. She's gotten so big. You know, she's gotten so big that she's like, Daddy, Daddy, I pick, pick her up. And, and she wraps her arms around me. Now she's gotten tall enough where she wraps her legs around me. And she's like, I could like stand like this. And she's just hanging. Kill the spider, Daddy. Right? Because this is safe space. If, if this wicked person standing before you, this person who is really frail and broken and makes mistakes a lot, could be a safe space, how much more could God be a safe space for you? How much more confidence should you have? And you know what I do? I leave the spider. I leave it as long as I can. Not because I like torturing children, which is also sometimes true. <laughs> but because having that kid wrapped around me, her face built, just like, there is nothing, there is nothing that compares. The only word I have for it, and it's, it's, a, it's a pale and pathetic word, joy. And I have to think, if I find joy in that small thing, how much more would God, our Father, if you went to him and just wrapped yourself up in him? So often we think of God as a God who has a small amount of love and a whole lot of wrath. Reverse that. Reverse it. And what I find too is the more that I reverse it, the more I am able to be a person who has a small amount of wrath and a whole lot of love. And I think that this Christmas season, that would be a really cool thing. We have these two words and we, we, we fail, our, our, the, the translators fail you and I apologize for that. We have this thing that says, there's a spirit that cries, Abba, and you probably have the word translated uh, uh, father. Um, this is sort of a, probably not a great thing, um, the way that they do this. It is the Aramaic word, Abba, which means father. And there is a Greek word, pater, which means father. And so what Paul is saying is, you have been brought into a family and whether you speak Aramaic, which is the language of the Jews who belong to that church, when you cry out in your language, Abba, you're saying, Father, and God hears you. And if you're Greek in this church and you cry out, Pater, in your language, uh, or Roman, as it were, uh, and you cry out, Pater, in your language, God hears it, and he welcomes you as your Father. Which means this, that whether you are a Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free, black or white, rich or poor, whatever you find your situation you find yourself in, whatever language you speak it in, when you cry out in Jesus Christ, Father, God hears. It's powerful. It's a powerful gift that we have been given, this spirit of adoption that has transformed us and brought us into a family, a family that we don't deserve, but a family full of grace and love. And what does this mean? What happens to the children? Well, of course, inheritance. You guys help me out on that. I appreciate that. 
Verse 17, well, let's start with verse 16 again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So there's not just the Holy Spirit, but our own spirit, which is together mingling in sort of a mystical union in which we cry out, God, Father, uh, and we are then the children of God. And if we're children, if you belong to the family, if you've got a room in the house, then you're an heir. You belong. Heirs of God. Fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. And I love that. Which isn't to say that just like Jesus, we are, you know, we're at the same level of Jesus or something like that. That's not what he's getting at at all. He is saying that Jesus is the firstborn son. And the firstborn son inherits everything. But we are also sort of following in that line to where we also are to inherit eternal life, a place in the house, uh, all the good riches that God wants to lavish upon us. Provided, and here's where you know the the, uh, the the rubber hits the road again. Provided that we suffer with him. Provided that we are taking up our cross and following him. Provided that the, again, going back to the very beginning, that the spirit of adoption that's been poured into you is actually taking effect, and you're actually walking with the spirit. Then, when we look at the deeds of the flesh from Galatians, you say that's not characteristic of me. And we look at the, the gifts of the spirit, or the fruit of the spirit there in Galatians. We say that is more characteristic of me. What do people see in you? Because you are equipped and capable of being so much more. Don't trade the rich gift you have been given for anything less. Don't trade it. But hold fast to it in joy and in security. Um, we sort of get things uh, closed up here. I know this is a big text and... Uh, but I really liked it, and I wanted to translate it for us a little bit. And I'm, so I'm, I know that's a lot at one time. This is the New Calicut version. Uh, and so it's a little bit different than what you'll have in your Bibles. It's actually structured in the Greek as though it's a, a poem or a song. Um, and so, of course, in Greek, it has kind of a little bit of a, not a rhyme scheme, but it has a, a good flow to it. In English, it feels kind of rocky. But I just wanted to show you the content of it because I love it so much. But when the kindness and love, that word love there means uh, specifically a love for humankind. So God's love toward us as people. But when the kindness and love appeared from our Savior and God, not because of works in righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration. That is, we have been renewed in the spirit, we're being made holy and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior in order to justify us in his grace, heirs then we have become through the hope of eternal life. That puts nicely together everything that we have talked about this morning. That when people look at you, they might see horn, but what do you act like? What do you act like? Because God has given us every joy and all of the peace and all of the security. Do we then really mean what we say, give me Jesus? As you well know, my favorite, one of my favorite characters in, in history is St. Francis of Assisi. And if you know his story, he is a, was a rich, was the son of a merchant, so very wealthy, very well off. And there came a point where he started giving things away because his give me Jesus thing was, was pretty real and he had daddy's credit card and so he was just letting it go. You know, and daddy eventually said, dude, stop. And he said, I can't. And dad said, well, then you're cut off. And 
St. Francis stripped off all of his clothes because that was all of the stuff that his father gave him. He gave it all back and he said, naked, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. In this room, we are some of the richest, most blessed people in the entire world financially, food-wise, physically. We are given so much. It is so easy to get lost and it was so interesting to me that when we did this, um, we did that song, Give Me Jesus, there was a Christmas tree in the background because I immediately thought, what's under that tree? Because that's where the presents go, right? Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. All I want is Jesus. Is that your heart's hunger? Because he's more than anything the world has to offer. Better, greater, more wonderful, more fulfilling, and eternal. Grab a hold of the gifts that matter and run with them. Share them with the world. Let them bring you joy. Let them bring you peace. Let them bring you security. Let them change you because the Spirit of God has called you the sons and daughters of God. And so you can cry out, Abba, Pater, Father. And God hears and responds to your call. This morning, if you've never called out to God, if you... I need to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never called him father and you don't even know exactly what that means, but you feel the spirit burning in your heart. Maybe you're a Christian and you've you sort of walked away or, 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 or you've let the world sneak in and get a hold of you. Man, I encourage you today, change. Call upon the truth that you are a child of God and all of that stuff is left behind. And let me tell you, no sin is too dark for God to push away. You belong You have a room in his house. Lay claim to it. Enjoy it. Live in it. If we can help you, we invite you to come down front. We have an elder to pray with you. Uh, We'll walk with you. Don't let today go without a change. Let's stand as we sing.